Welcome to Between Alpha Omega, and well, it's just me. Uh, we, over the weekend, where we normally record, um, Curtis has been working a lot, and Drew, we actually helped Drew move in, and then we had a roommate party, and because Tyler's moving out, so the weekend was just crazy busy. I'm actually recording this the day before it's supposed to go live. Um, I don't have a script in front of me, so I'm just kind of spitballing here, and I'm just going to talk to myself, basically, for the next probably 20 to 30 minutes, because I wanted to bring a show out, and I didn't know really what to talk about, or what to say, or anything, really, because uh, it's just me. It's just me babbling. And normally, with the Tim Talks, I, I try to have a point. I try to, you know, uh, I'm talking to someone, or it's going to be a lesson of some sort, but... I, I don't I don't know. I, I tweeted out that I was going to maybe talk about 2019. And I've kind of talked a little bit about it on the blogs and offhandedly um, on the main show what 2019 was like for me. And it, it it's really hard to talk about, not because I'm still dealing with it, because it, it it's a vulnerability. And one of the things that I've learned being a teacher and, and someone who has taught scripture before or been in a setting like this or been on stage, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be honest and you have to be vulnerable with the people, your audience, especially when you're talking about Christianity, when you're trying to deliver a message or preach or try to get your point across, you have to be vulnerable because if you're not vulnerable, your audience won't latch on to what you're saying. They won't believe you. Uh, and, and vulnerability is risky. People can then use your vulnerabilities against you if they want to manipulate you or, you know, it's, it's scary. And to talk about what happened in 2019 with me is massively scary. Um, not because it's hurtful, but because there's some stuff that happened that I can't talk about. There's some stuff that happened that it's just me being dumb. Um, not only me being dumb, but really just earth shattering, I guess would be the best way of putting that. 2019 is probably the second worst season of my life. The first being my divorce, of course. Divorce, of course. That rhymed. Um, <laughs> It's the second worst season of my life. It, 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 2019 was really rock bottom again. Being in a place where everything felt confusing, everything felt like a blur, um, and just really hard stuff. And there's some of it that I can't talk about, but I, I think I'm just going to dive right in on what happened and what was going on. Because I've said stuff like I've almost walked away from everything, and I can get into that a little bit. So 2019 was the really where I started to deal with the fire. The fire happened, I think, December 12th or the 13th. And, uh, you know, Christmas was right there, and I, all of this is kind of a blur for me. Christmas was kind of a blur. And going into the new year not living anywhere. Uh, it, you know, I spent New Year's Eve and New Year's Day at a hotel by myself. Still a, a 
just completely alone. Uh, my house was still in shambles. They hadn't even started working on it because of all the holidays. So, And because of all the holidays, it was hard to get me into an apartment. So I was in a hotel. I ate hotel food for a month. Um, and that was an interesting and hard time for me because here I am alone in this hotel when people are on vacation and their kids are everywhere and, uh, you know, laughter in the hallways and here I am just being alone in a hotel. Like normally you associate hotels with like traveling and having fun and vacation. And unless you're like a businessman, you have to travel for work and stuff. I can see how that can get kind of daunting, but when you're just stuck there and you don't really have anywhere else to go, it it's, it's sad and it's lonely. And that really started to wear on me really quickly, how alone I was and how, how awful that was, um, being in a hotel for an entire month of you know and, and normally in a hotel if you're staying in a hotel you leave the hotel but when your hotel is your home it's like I get off work and I just want to chill well then here's housekeeping knocking on your door to want to change your sheets or towels or whatever and it's like oh this is so weird because this is my home but you're there and I can hear my oh, that's weird, and why is there a second door here, and there's like an entire family on that side, and it's like, oh, this is awful. And I was already in, in the pit because of the house. And so it's easy to get stuck in this negative field of, you know, here I am. But it was really the hotel that sort of messed with my psyche because I'm used to living with people. I'm used to having people over quite a bit. And to not have that and not have my own space or my stuff and living in a hotel, like getting off work and then going to a hotel it was just weird. And, you know, spending your weekends... You know, normally I, I try to like be introverted or watch a movie or whatever, and or I go on drives. But I've, when you're just in a hotel, it's not home. But it was. Not to mention, the only thing I had was a microwave. So I was either having to do takeout or eat hotel food, and that started the weight gain. And I will mention this that started. Uh, my consumption of more alcohol. Um, I actually still have the cup that I had to buy um, during Christmas time because I didn't have any glassware. I bought a cup that says Jingle on it. It's like a little wine cup plastic thing that says Jingle on it because I didn't have anywhere to pour my alcohol, so I made do. Yeah, this is what 2019 started out as. So then, I'm still at church. I'm still trying to hang in there, still trying to keep up. I'm working 40 hours a week and going to the church and doing all the church stuff. And it, and then after January happened, 
I eventually get into an apartment and that had its own challenges and stuff like that. And if you ever lived in an apartment complex, you know what I'm talking about. Noisy neighbors, dogs barking, people just being everywhere. And I was just kind of lost going into an apartment. It was new. It was strange. It was different. And I don't handle those situations well anyway. The other problem with the apartment was uh, they furnished it for me, which sounds like an amazing thing. And it was to some degree because I didn't have anything. So they furnished me with like a computer desk and utensils and pots, pans, couch, um, stuff like that. They just fully furnished uh, the apartment for me, lamps even. And so that was really cool. But the bed, oh my God, the bed. The bed that they gave me. So I move in in February of 2019 to this apartment and this bed that they gave me. um, How can I put it? I feel like sleeping on concrete would have been more beneficial. I, during, so from February to June is when I lived in the apartment. And I probably slept on the couch more than I slept in the bed because the bed was like so uncomfortable I would lay down and roll around for three to four hours and that was just awful so awful and I already go to bed when I was working uh, my normal work schedule I was going to bed at like 9 30 10 o'clock already pretty late and then having to get up at 4 a.m 5 a.m to go to work at 6 I was sleeping maybe three, four hours a night. Um, so I wasn't sleeping at all because of this stupid bed. And that sleep depravity really messes with you. Plus the crappy diet, plus uh, uh, the excessive alcohol, plus just being sad and lonely and depressed. It was a mixture that was really bad, very bad. And the loneliness of being in the apartment and the loneliness I felt... Um, really just messed with me. And that was only like just moving into the apartment. So about midway through February of 2019, I was at church and I get a phone call from the facility that was holding all my stuff. And I've kind of talked about this before in blogs and, and some of the podcasts, but here's what happened with the house fire in this facility. So the house fire happened and I lost everything in the kitchen, the living room and the bathroom. And my roommates lost all of their stuff. So I left my bedroom door closed. So my bedroom, everything that was in my bedroom, so all of my stuff in my bedroom, my personal belongings, my collections, my, uh, the stuff that you would have in a bedroom was safe because I had closed my door. And then everything in the basement, which I had like, you know, collectibles down there. I had my library of books. I had uh, collections of cards, signed memorabilia, um, notes, notebooks, college stuff uh, from when I was in college, a whole smattering of things. All that stuff was fine because they took it out and this company takes your stuff and they clean the soot off of it and try to get the smell out of it to give it back to you. Um, which is all great and lovely. And so the house fire happened. They take all the stuff, all the stuff that 
could be restored. And they take it out of my house and they put it in their storage facility. So about the end of February, I think February 20th, might have been mid-February. Remember, this stuff is very much a blur to me because of the what I was going through. And so in mid to late February, the second fire happened. And that fire was at the storage facility with all of my stuff. And I lost literally everything in that second fire. And I remember having to excuse myself at church and say, you know, I got to go. And I didn't explain myself. I just left. And I remember crying the whole way to the apartment, which was like, you know, a good 10, 15 minute drive. And then getting into my apartment and collapsing. And I just laid on the floor of the hallway of my apartment. I don't know, 45 minutes. It was a pool of tears where my face was. Of just emptiness. Of just feeling so bleak and helpless. That I literally just lost everything. Everything. Everything that I had from my childhood. Everything that I've collected. Everything. The only thing I had was my clothes. My computer was safe. And the stuff in my garage. And that's it. Um, and and that second fire really broke me. It broke me. And I, I remember sitting Sunday morning, sitting there at worship, and I said it out loud, and I was kind of away from everybody else, but I said it out loud. Instead of singing the songs, I was like, I don't I don't want to do this anymore. And I kind of shocked myself, and I was like, what, what did I even mean by that? I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to worship anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. And it kind of threw me for a loop, and it started getting bad anxiety, and I would have to excuse myself all the time. So I'd literally be shaking because dealing with the contractors and then getting phone calls from insurance to contractors to the flooring people to the tile people to furniture to everything. And I had to go to several meetings and insurance and this and second fire. Then I had to go through pictures of all my stuff that they took and Wow, assess the value of this and assess the value of this, not to mention the 25-page PDF that I had to go through that listed all the stuff that got ruined that try to find the monetary value for and just while still trying to go to work and function like a human adult and dealing with all the stress, I actually lost hair, more hair, and I gained more weight, and it was just awful. So I remember just being there and saying, I don't want to do this anymore. And there was some other stuff going on um, that I'm not going to talk about in the background that really just hurt me. And I just felt so alone. Utterly alone and devastated. 
and it's hard <laughs> it's hard to say anything else other than I was I felt really alone and and hurt and and devastated uh, about the fire and about some other things that were going on and I knew I had to get through camp church camp when a big event and I knew that I had to do a bunch of stuff there and people were relying on me and I had committed to go and I walk in the camp just completely empty and drained. I had moved in like the week before that. I slept for the first time in five months. I slept. Um, I just remember being empty and feeling alone. And I remember sitting in my house right after I moved in boxes being everywhere in the house unfurnished the only thing I had in my house was my desks downstairs that made it through the fire and my computer and my bed everything I hadn't bought anything yet because I knew camp was happening and I had boxes everywhere I remember just sitting on my living room floor feeling as empty as my house was. Um, I was broken. I was really broken. And I tried to reach out to some people and kind of got the cold shoulder. And then I texted some of my old friends from the first church I ever went to, New Life. You hear that on the main show a lot. And that's where a lot of my friends come from. Drew and Curtis, Nick, who's been on the show, all come from this tiny church. And I hadn't talked to them in a long while because I was so busy with church stuff. And then I was, for a time there, I was going to college and then going to church and then working full time. Then I graduated college and I started getting more invested in this church stuff and doing more at church and being in that bubble. And those friendships kind of slid but I knew Drew had lived with me previously. Nick had lived with me previously. Uh, Tyler lived with me previously. And I wanted to show them the new house because it was the first time I was here. So I just sent out a text to those guys. And within 20, 25 minutes, they were all in my house. The first people that entered my done house. And I remember that moment because here I feel completely empty my house is empty just boxes everywhere and now these people who I hadn't talked to in a while were all in my house and I started to feel full again and realized that these people were always going to be there for me even when I felt like other people weren't there for me these people were always there for me. And a few weeks, so camp happens. I'm completely drained from that experience. And I was at camp and I was off by myself asking God, you know, should I leave? And I remember being at peace with it. I remember feeling okay about it 
and good about it that I probably should be done at this church. And I think God had a different adventure for me or maybe just leave everything all together. But I felt that peace about leaving. And there was a lot of things going on in my mind of maybe I should sell the house and get double the value and go somewhere else, move away. Uh, kind of hit a reset button on my life of just starting new. You know, I didn't have anything in my house, so I didn't have to really buy a, a truck. I could stuff my car with stuff. I would have a hard time getting in my bed that I just bought, but maybe, maybe now is the time that I just leave. Maybe, maybe that's what I do. Uh, and other stuff was going on that kind of led me to think that and to want to leave the church. And then after camp, some stuff happened and I just felt this is done. I, I I can't I can't do this anymore. I'm I'm not mentally healthy. I'm not physically healthy. I'm not I'm not healthy. I'm still broken. I'm still empty. I, I'm still I'm still dealing with this. So I I told the church that I was just going to take a break, and it was supposed to be a break. I was only going to give myself maybe a few weeks or a month, and then I was going to come back because I, I still felt obligated to come back I still felt like maybe there's a chance um but then it became a month and then two months and I just decided you know in August and September of 2019 that I was going to be done with church and I never really said it out loud or even told the people that I run that church that I was going to be done, but I really felt that in my heart that it was over. And some other stuff in the background was happening as well, going back to, you know, contacting those old friends. So to roll back after I, I sent out an email saying, you know, I was going to take a break. I called these people back into my life, um, Nick, Drew, others. And it was really Drew who led me the decision to stay and I was texting Drew, Hey, can you help me build this Ikea table? And within 20, 30 minutes, he was at my house and we were building an Ikea table. We built the entertainment system. I had my couches were being delivered that day and I, I felt maybe I should stay. I don't know what I'm going to do the rest of my life. I don't know why God planned it this way and why God led me to these people I hadn't talked to in a while, but he did. And I think it's those reasons why I didn't walk away from my faith, even though a part of me did want to. I felt failed. I felt lost. I felt alone. I felt broken not only from the fire, but from other things. And it was really Drew helping me build that stupid table that is in my kitchen that really spoke to me in a different way of 
you know, there is people that love you and people that care for you and people that will be there for you no matter what. And that led um, me in a different direction. And that's what started the show. As I was throughout the fall of 2019, hanging out with Drew and hanging out with Curtis again and and sometimes Nick when he would come into town and some other people that I realized that all these guys, and you've heard it on the show, have dealt with faith and their faith in different ways and struggled with their own struggles in different ways and how I started to get this notion and this vibe in my heart where God was really pushing me that churches are not right right now. There's something happening within Christianity and church that isn't right. And I began in, I began to really dig into that. What is it? What What is wrong with churches? What is wrong with Christianity? What is wrong with denominations? And realizing that there's a lot. <laughs> that is broken and it's not just the human condition it is churches in specific how they're broken and the amount of abuse the amount of hatred that speeds out of the church in a lot of ways um, how churches can be exclusive and here I am around a bunch of people that no longer want to be a part of church who were all a part of church at one point in time in their lives and now going yeah I don't want anything to do with churches anymore and now I become this voice of kind of anti-church not anti-Christianity I have my beliefs I fully believe in Jesus I fully believe in the Holy Spirit I fully believe in God the Father I fully believe in the Bible I just don't think the way that Christianity is doing it, and I mean like churches and Protestant churches, the way that they're doing it is the way that it should be done. It is something that's been broken for over 2,000 years, and it's not right. And I began to study and do my Tim thing, and and that's what started the show. And I had, this is a whole different subject and a whole different podcast, but I had already thought of the name like two years prior, and it was going to be something else. And the genesis of how between Alpha and Omega is fascinating how God in different life situations wanted me to do something. But I've wanted to do a podcast for a long time. And... Just getting the right people with the right trying to train of thought of not wanting to be a part of church and getting people to talk about that has been a trip and it's been amazing and the conversations that we have sometimes on the podcast are I think thought provoking and that's all I want to do is to ask questions and to talk about things and to try to get in the bottom of what can we do to make Christianity to make churches better and the solution that I keep coming back to is just doing my own 
and now we're in 2020 and COVID is a thing and uh, being around people is weird and social distancing and face masks and the whole nine yards of everything that goes along with that has made me wanting to start this church kind of on hold. And, you know, people have said, why don't you do Zoom and do this and do that? And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe that'll happen. I just, I don't know yet. Um, God is kind of, uh, it's been fun. Uh, 2020 has been really <laughs> the time of my life. Uh, 2019 sucked so bad of everything that I went through. And now 2020 has been like R&R. Like I've, I should, well, I'd be home now, but I used to work 40 hours a week waking up at, you know, 4.50 in the morning and being home at, you know, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And now I don't do that. And it's amazing, and it's been so restful and so good for my soul to just rest and have this new family that I rely on, this new family that will be there for me at a drop of a hat and encourage me and and to want to push me further and not exclude me and not push me aside and not marginalize me or leave me alone in my pain. They'll actually, actually ask me questions. Just the other day, Drew texted me and was like, hey, what's going on with this? Uh, a certain situation that I've been a part of for a while. And, you know, I filled him in. What was the update? And I'll text him and say, hey, what's going on? You okay? And it's that that's what it means to be a family. And it's been an enjoyment to be a part of a little family of misfits. And Nick is moving back in and it's going to be crazy. And I'm really excited about the rest of 2020 and what God does with all of that and 2021 is going to be weird if the COVID is still a thing and I have plans for Sally and I have plans for this home church and that's all just going to happen and it's amazing to be a part of and it's amazing what God has pushed me through and I've just realized through 2019 um, a lot of lessons about myself and about what I can and can't handle emotionally and where to find help when I need help. One of the things that 2019 taught me is to be patient with people. You don't know if or when people are hurting or what they're hurting with. So when they lash out or they do something or they lie to you or push you aside, just be patient. Be patient and give them the benefit of the doubt and give them lots of grace because that's what Christ does to us. I mean, I can't imagine how many times Christ has been fed up with me and he still forgives me and gives me grace. How many times I've tried to shove Christ away and he still loves me and is patient with me, gives me grace. And that's a big lesson for me in 2019. That's just to be patient with people and to give grace to people, even when they don't deserve it. And this is a thought that I had the other day. I was thinking about it. Um, I was just randomly thinking about this. I don't know why. I think it's because she's been brought up a couple of times recently and, I kind of want to know how she's doing. I'm talking about my ex-wife, Heather. Hey, if you're listening. Um, how one of the questions I want to ask her is, what's her faith like? And 
um, how's she doing with Christ? Like, is she going somewhere with Christ? Is she being a part of church? Is she doing something? Because she has amazing gifts. She's kind of a cool person when you get to know her. And it's so strange for me to say that as, you know, being divorced to her, but it's like that, that's grace. That that's forgiveness. That's the way it should be. Like, I'm more concerned about her well-being, her soul, than what she did to me. And I think there's something, I don't know, biblical about that. And I think, you know, I'll I'll never love her again. I'm not trying to get with her again. I, I won't ever allow her back into my life like that. But, you know, my feelings don't measure up to her walk with Christ, if that makes sense. Like... That's the importance. Um, her soul, her eternity is more important than my feelings. And I don't know, it was just something that I thought about. And it kind of wraps in with my 2019 lesson of just being patient and forgiving with people. I, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling at this point. Because, you know, I'm by myself. In my basement, talking to myself, staring at my monitor as the time ticks down as the recording keeps getting longer i've been talking for wow wow 30 minutes and i'm not gonna edit this so it's cool um yeah that's it 2019 was a trend wreck of a year for me and i dealt with a lot of hard things and but at the same time i've reintroduced people that i love dearly in my life again and that was amazing and it was the birth of the show in June, January of 2020, and uh, it's been it's been a trip. And 2020 has been a train wreck of a year just for everybody. And here I am going, yeah, I'm living my best life. This is great. You you're, you're telling an introvert that I get to stay home and not talk to people? Heck yeah, dude. So it's been it's been kind of a unique experience coming off of 2019 and I kind of wanted to talk about 2019 because I have talked about how I wanted to walk away from everything that's kind of why and also the why I didn't and why I started the show and as things progress and things get better and you'll hear more from me I want to make videos and do more stuff with Sally and hopefully I can get Caleb in on the show more and doing videos with him. And after he gets married, which is this weekend and after uh, the baby comes for Drew, life is going to be crazy for the family and I'm kind of excited about it and be a part of it. And you'll hear it on the podcast. There's another thing I wanted to talk about. Um, do I want to do it or not? Because I've already been talking for 35 minutes and it's like, how much more do you just want to hear my voice? I don't know. I don't even really want to hear my voice at this point. I can hear my voice getting a little weak because uh, it's just me talking the entire time. And it's been a long time since I've talked uh, on a platform for more than 20 minutes. So, um Yeah. It goes back to Christianity and the wrongness of Christianity. And I'll leave you with this thought. And maybe we talk about it on the main show. And I would love to hear the opinions of my panel. Is how your politics, your political agenda is really interpreting your scripture. 
And what I mean by that, and I kind of said it on uh, last episode, is if you're liberal, you're letting your liberalism, your political um, thought process, inform your Christianity. Or, you know, I can say it conservative. If you're conservative, you're allowing your conservatism to inform the Bible, to inform what you believe, not the other way around. And I'm starting to see more people walk away from their faith because it conflicts. Um, I'm seeing people denounce Paul. Paul as in writer of most of the New Testament, um, denounce Paul. I've seen and heard, uh, yeah, people denouncing Paul, like that he is the worst thing that happened in Christianity. And it's scary that people are allowing their political thoughts um, to inform them. And to come to that conclusion that Paul is wrong instead of, no, you're wrong. And one of the issues from my studies is uh, maybe we've been interpreting scripture wrong for many, many years. And what men specifically have said about certain topics in the Bible are probably wrong. Um that's why we have so many different denominations. That's why we have so many different translations and uh, because it all has an agenda. And that's the gross thing that you learn in Bible school is even the people who interpretate the Bible, take it from the original language, Greek to English, depending on what their personal beliefs are or their political stance is, they'll interpret it, it a different way than what it should be. And Greek is a weird language um, where one word can mean multiple things. So like doulos can either mean messenger or slave. And how you get the context is you actually have to read around it. Does When Paul says doulos, does it really mean slave or messenger here? You know, and you have to use the context to to actually translate the word. You can't just use the sentence. You have to use everything around the sentence to then say, oh, he really means messenger here, but over here he means slave. It's the same with love. Like, love has three different words, and they all mean different things. So when you're talking about the Bible and you're talking about this, the context sometimes gets thrown out of the window. And and it's uh, people are allowing their political stance to then put on these goggles to then say, well, this actually means this. And I don't, I don't think that's true. And people are losing the context of scripture and allowing it to blind them and to rob them of what scripture really means. And typically this is uh, Paul, when he's talking about women not teaching in church. And I think a lot of people interpret it bad. And uh, I think a lot of people take it out of context that women should not speak in church at all. When I think it was more about uh, a couple of things. Uh, Paul was either talking to a specific group of women. I think that's one interpretation. I think that's the one in Corinthians. It might have been one in Timothy where I think that Paul's actually talking about a group of women rather than women as a whole. 
Because you also have to look at the context of the entire Bible. If God didn't want to work through women, then why did he work through women? Hello, Ruth, uh, Rahab, Esther. Why did God have Gabriel talk to Mary instead of just to Joseph if God didn't work through women as well? Not to mention Mary Magdalene was the first person to meet Jesus. And why was Mary Magdalene hanging around them? Because there was actually female disciples outside of the 12. Hey, it's almost like we need to look at the Bible as a whole instead of looking at one sentence and saying, this is what, the, what it really means. And it's just frustrating that people are denouncing Paul when it's like, I think you're just wrong. Like, you you were just looking at it the wrong way. You're taking that verse out of context when you needed to layer in a whole slew of other contexts, not to mention the original language, and not to mention he could be just talking about a group of women, or let's be crazy about this, and he may actually be protecting women of that time period. Think about it this way. He was the one going around killing Christians. And I don't know if you've studied history at all. You know that they do a lot of weird stuff when when it comes to women, Especially women that get in trouble, like the woman in the Bible, if we're using the Bible as our source, then let's talk about that. A woman was accused of adultery, not even committed adultery, just accused of adultery, and they were going to kill her. Lord, <laughs> she's committed adultery, and Jesus says, whoever has not sinned, throw the first stone. And no one can throw the first stone because they've all sinned. And it's like, that's what they do to women. So now imagine if a woman was actually speaking out and leading church services. She would probably die a very horrible death. Not that any of the other men didn't die a horrible death. But then men are creepy and weird, especially when you get into torture and history and what they did to women. And it's just weird and gross. And I'm not going to get into it very much. But maybe Paul was saying, hey... I know what they do to men. It's going to be far worse for women. So maybe women shouldn't talk in the church right now. Hey, that's a logical thought process. And I'm not using my political agenda to then say the Bible's wrong because of what Paul said. Maybe Paul's actually protecting women. It lines up. It could be true. I don't know. I haven't really dived into that. But that's just my kind of analysis of looking at what Paul, who Paul was and what Paul did and why he would say these things. I more lean on the fact that he's actually talking about a group of women that were like causing a ruckus and he's basically telling them to shut up, like stop doing this. You're making us all look bad. Stop talking kind of a thing. But Paul uses language like that, like, Hey, quit being an idiot. <sighs> and just allowing political thought and, and get in the scriptures. Sex is another big thing. You want to ruffle some Christians, progressive Christian, uh, feathers, you start talking about sex and how they believe the premarital sex is fine and marriage is not really anything anymore because we, blah, 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 and they're reasoning. And it's like Jesus literally said, like, if you look at another person lustfully or committing adultery, what else more do you need than that? That's Jesus saying that. So I, I don't know what to tell you, but you're you're wrong. <laughs> when Jesus says it, kind of clear as day you're just you're wrong and you're looking for ways to pleasure yourself and your partner um outside of marriage and you're trying to rationalize it i'm just saying and to be fair um it sounds like i'm being kind of black and white about it because scripture is kind of black and white about it if you have sex before marriage you're in the wrong and marriage is actually supposed to be this beautiful 
amazing thing and sex is supposed to be that celebration of the beautiful love between you and your partner and we've boiled it down to just a transaction which is great in itself and um and to be fair you know people are going to do what people are going to do and it's really not up to me to say anything about it but when they're starting to use the bible to then say wrong things about the bible i, I get a little annoyed by that like just admit that you're wrong End of story. And I told Drew the other day, uh, a few weeks ago, like if I go, if I sleep with someone, if I have sex with someone, I'm gonna say it. Like, yeah, I had sex with someone. I haven't, but if I have, you'll know about it. Um, Cause that's the kind of person I am. Um, when I got divorced, I told people immediately. Like, I'm going through this, and it sucks, and I probably shouldn't be in a leadership position because that's the kind of person I am. Uh, I told the people that I was leading, like, hey, I'm I'm going through a divorce right now. If you would still want to listen to me, that's great. If not, that's great. You just, you know, we're, we're supposed to all be family. We're all supposed to confess our faults and confess our things instead of masking everything. That was my other big problem within the churches there's all these hidden agendas and lies and masks and you have to talk a certain way and you have to be a certain way and if you're going through anything you can't really say anything because people in power may drag you down or have ammunition against you and it's just all chaotic and dumb and stupid and wrong like look at the disciples they weren't perfect and they they're certainly uh, did a lot of stupid stuff and they confessed sins to each other and that's what's amazing about this family that I'm with right now is we confess our crap and we talk about it we talk about the things that we did wrong and we all try to acknowledge it uh, and grow with it and sometimes it doesn't always work but you know it's nice to have accountability and just be real like, I've cussed on the show. I actually cuss a lot. <laughs> I really do. Uh, and no one bats an eye. No one cares. That's just me. Anyways, I've talked for over 40 minutes now, and I got some things off my chest, and hopefully it will lead into the next show. And I just wanted to get this out for you guys that are subscribed. Thank you for being subscribed. You can catch us pretty much everywhere on Spotify, iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Um, thank you if you're subscribed. That really means a lot to me. It, it's fun to see the numbers keep going up. And thank you for listening to me. And I hope that whatever show may be, that you're either laughing or at least thinking about it afterwards. Um, don't be afraid to reach out. The website between alpha omega.com has a contact form. You can send me anything you want there, which is a valid email address. And I'll read it on the show or just be encouraged by your words. That'd be great. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. I'm not sure about Google, but if there's there, rate us five stars and talk about it. Uh, that's what's going to grow the show and make the show better. And then once we go live, which hopefully is going to happen next year, I'm still fiddling with everything. Um, you can subscribe and give us money and support the show. That'd be incredible so we can have better equipment and better resources and make the show better and maybe even just 
have money to invite more, I don't know, famous people on the show and talk about Christianity. That'd be great. Anyways, thank you for listening to me. It really means a lot to me that you uh, sat there for, you know, 50 minutes listening to me solo. Thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Know that I love you. I care about you. Hit me up if I haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, Thank you. Love you. Bye.